sermon, Mr. Lawrence Gregory, and his title is Be an Overcomer. The Bible has a lot to say about uh, being an overcomer. As Christian believers, we are expected by God to be an overcomer. We read in Revelation, the 21st chapter, verse 7, from God himself, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So what does it mean to inherit all things? Obviously, all things that are good, all things that are of God, all things that are godly. That takes in a lot of territory, doesn't it? So whatever God has for us in the future is going to be something very wonderful and very incredible as we inherit or share all of those things with him forever and ever. Now, today I have four points on how to be an overcomer. And the first one is, what does it mean to be an overcomer? Now there are a number of uh, Hebrew words in the Old Testament, seven, that are translated overcome or overcometh. But my focus today is basically going to be on the New Testament words. There are three Greek words that are translated into the English, overcoming or overcometh. And uh, I'll go into the Old Testament on a couple of references, but basically my uh, words will be from the New Testament Greek words. And there are three of those. One of them is used 24 times in the English. A second one is used two times. And a third Greek word is only used one time. So I'm not going to be looking at all of those uh, scripture references, but I'm going to be looking at the one that is the most numerous, the first one, and that is the word from the Greek, Nike, or Nikeo, from whence we get the Nike missiles. Most of you have been familiar with those from the 40s up to the 90s uh, in different wars where we've had different missiles like the Nike missile, the SAM missile, the uh, Stinger missile, the Hellfire missile. Some of these are smaller uh, individual uh, held by uh, military men. The um, old Gatling gun and the, uh, oh, there are a number of other missiles. I can't remember all their names, but uh, you can look at, uh, go on, line and do your own study and research out the development and change. But the point is that those are guided missiles intent to do a number of things. And this is the explanation or the definition of that word Nike. And it means to subdue, prevail, overcome, conquer, set the victory. So we can see that's a positive word of overcoming, of subduing, of conquering. Now, we, uh, in addition to the uh, things that we see in the military, 
there are a lot of other applications that we can see. For example, we have uh, in athletics and sports, we have the Nike tennis shoes. And they're supposed to help you, I guess, be a better basketball player or a runner or a trekker or whatever as you overcome the obstacles and uh, you um, excel in uh, that sport where you're wearing those Nike tennis shoes. But uh, basically what I'm trying to stay is with the spiritual application of being an overcomer, of subduing, of uh, prevailing, of conquering, of uh, setting the victory. And in uh, Luke, we have some principles here. In Luke, the uh, 11th chapter, let's go there. And uh, as we have uh, heard today, we don't have the overhead projector, so we'll just have to do it the old-fashioned way and uh, turn in our scriptures to Luke, the 11th chapter, verse 21 through 22. Luke 11, 21, 22. And... Uh, Breaking into a thought here, let me go back one page here to pick it up. Uh, Jesus is talking about uh, uh, to the disciples when they came back and they had, uh, were glorying because they were casting out demons and doing some uh, miraculous, marvelous things. And he himself was able to do that. But in verse 21 he says, When a strong man armed keepeth his palace... His goods are in peace, but when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. And so he's showing that a stronger person than a demon can overcome him and can conquer and get the victory. So this is an important lesson here, a principle, is the stronger person is the overcoming. And so we want to remember that as we go through here. Back in John, the uh, 16th chapter, and verse uh, 33, John 16:33. Here again, we, uh, we're just going to break into uh, a few of these uh, thoughts here and some of the uh, parables. Here's a summary, uh, John 16:33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So there's a great uh, lesson and example for us. Jesus Christ tells us that uh, we, we should have peace because he's overcome the world. And now how does that relate to us? Because we know that there's a great principle. If we have Jesus Christ, even though we have troubles and tribulations and difficulties, if he's with us and we have that power that's with us, then we too can be an overcomer and have and retain that peace, not to be overcome. Now, we'll look at this a little later and keep this in mind. Who is the overcomer and who is overcome? And uh, let's go now to 1 John, the uh, fourth chapter into one of the uh, epistles of John. Now John was uh, blessed to be a great uh, man that was chosen by Jesus Christ to be an apostle and to share with him a lot of uh, intimate uh, teachings and a lot of his life and he wrote uh, the Gospel John and the first, second, third John letter and Revelation and, and uh, God used him uh, greatly and mightily in recording some of the 
personal things from God. So, First uh, John four four. You are of God, little children, and overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Now, who is it we've overcome? Well, he's uh, talking in the earlier verses, which I won't take the opportunity today to expound much on, but we know he's talking about false prophets, false teachers. So we have to be very careful in the church. Who is our teacher? Who is the one that's influencing us spiritually? Who are we studying? Who are we following? Are we following a man? Are we following Jesus Christ? Are we following God? We have to be very careful that we don't be a follower of men and of uh, wrong teachings, especially the spirit of Antichrist uh, that is in the world, uh, opposing Christ, uh, opposite Christ, uh, a phony Christ, a pseudo-Christ. Those things are what the Antichrist uh, mentions, so we have to be careful of that. But we, who are of God, have overcome them. We've overcome them. We've subdued them. We've advance beyond their power and influence in our life because of his indwelling presence. Now, let me ask a question here that uh, as we go through this, it's uh, pretty obvious, a question comes up. Well, how do I know that I've overcome that, that that just hasn't been uh, taken from me in some way or something has happened that uh, I'm no longer an overcomer, but I don't have that problem. For example, just think about this, a thief, in jail for a crime that he's done. Has he overcome the crime? Well, not necessarily. But has he been removed from that crime? Has he been removed from the, uh, all of the problems uh, relegated to that crime that he was committing, whatever it was? You can, you can figure out uh, some crime. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's overcome it. So we have some uh, questions that come up on how can we know that we've actually overcome something and uh, or that we've just it's just been removed from us temporarily it's possible let me say this it's possible for us to overcome everything now perhaps some might say well the, you can't overcome everything uh, you'll just always have that uh, and we know that in this life we're always struggling we're going to be uh, overcoming until the end but uh, we want to know that there is nothing that we cannot overcome with God's help. Now, it may be because we're weak and the time and uh, occasion and, and things resurrect and we always have to struggle in this life that we haven't been totally, completely uh, victorious, as, as say, as Jesus Christ was who overcame all sin and had no sin. And it may be that we still have to struggle and fight and resist against things, but let's just know this. There's nothing, there's no sin, no weakness, no problem that we, with God's help, cannot overcome. And Jesus expects us to overcome. He said he would help us and that we would be able to put that to death to seek out and destroy that and to uh, overcome it. Now, we're talking about Nike, of destroying, of prevailing, of overcoming, of, uh, of uh, putting those things to, to death. Now, there's some uh, practical points on how to be an overcomer. 
And I've got several points that I want to share here with this uh, uh, basic point. The first one is that it's obvious. We must really desire. We must want to strongly overcome. If we don't want to focus on it and really overcome, the chances are we may just struggle along. But if we really set our mind, I am going to overcome that. And I'm not uh, necessarily listing anything specifically. We might mention a couple of things. But uh, there are a lot of things that we know, different ones have different problems and have to overcome different things. So if a person just sets their mind, I really want to overcome this. Now, I was thinking about a, uh, a little example. It's not a sin necessarily, but it's, it, it can be a problem. And uh, most of us uh, know about this. But uh, when, I was a, when I was a young boy, uh, occasionally I would chew gum. And uh, my mother was uh, a very good teacher in that because uh, she restricted that and she would tell me some things that uh, later I found out, and I haven't chewed gum for many years. I did some as an adult, but uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a big gum chewer. And uh, some of the things she told me was, uh, number one, limit your gum chewing. And another thing was, uh, keep your mouth shut. Don't be smacking your gum. Do you see people? Now, when I uh, came into the church and became more cognizant and aware of speech techniques, it bothers me when I see speakers that are chewing gum. Now, what if I came up here and I had a big wad of gum and I was chewing it, trying to talk, popping it, and, uh, you know, um, another thing she said is, when you get rid of your gum, put it in the trash. Don't spit it out on the sidewalk or the ground. Every time I go to the library or some restaurants, I almost don't want to go in because of all of those gum. You know what I'm talking about, gum spots that are out there that where people have thrown their gum out and spit their gum out. And I was going to the library the other day, and this little old guy, he was, he was old, and he was little, and he was skinny, and he was going along. And uh, I used to do this when I was a boy, you know, with people that I knew, pick up snipes, you know, from the family. They'd leave some of their cigarettes, you know, in, in the ashtray, and I'd sneak one and go out and smoke it behind the barn. Uh, some of you men would know that. Well, this guy must have seen a cigarette there. It was about that long. I saw him pick it up, and he put it in his shirt pocket. <laughs> and uh, there were some other cigarettes there that were uh, pretty smoked up, you know, almost right down to the filter, right down to the end. And this is uh, uh, the library on 21st Street. So if you go over there, you see all those black gum spots where people are phew, phew, spit out their gum. Or if you go to the Delta restaurant or some of the restaurants, you know what I'm talking about. You go up there and you almost, I don't want to go in here. Look at all those gum out here. People throw. Well, instead of putting the gum in their wrapper or put it in their pocket or put it in the trash or keep it in the mouth till they got the trash can and put it in the trash, they just spit it out. So, uh, gum chewing. Um, it can rot your teeth. It can all that sugar and all that. Uh, noise and all that rudeness and uh, I mean you know it, it can be enjoyable it, it's an enjoyable thing isn't it you like it people like to chew gum but that's just a small thing 
does gum chewing, does a habit have you captive? I'm not talking to you folks out here, but you, the great invisible you. Does gum chewing dominate you? Are you an overcomer? Have you victorious? Has you subdued that habit? And that, uh, have you learned some of those lessons? Okay, that's enough about uh, gum chewing here. Uh, there, there are a lot of things that we could list, but um, uh, you know, uh, gum chewing up to a point, it's okay. I mean, you know, uh, I just happen to not be a big gum chewer. So fortunate for you that I'm not, and I don't have up here blowing bubbles <laughs> while I'm trying to talk. That can be difficult, I think. Okay. In Romans, the 13th chapter, and um, verse 14, Romans 13, 14, is another point, is Romans 13, 14, let me get there. You know, one thing about that overhead projector, you, uh, you don't have to search in your Bible, and I don't, you can just look up on the board, or I can look back there and, and uh, see scripture if I want to, but this point is make no provision for the flesh. Romans 13, 14, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Okay, what does that mean to us? Let's say, for example, that uh, alcoholism is a negative. And to be an alcoholic is not good. So, if a person is an alcoholic, don't you think it would be good if they never bought any liquor? Okay. If they're an alcoholic, it would be good to stay out of the bars, wouldn't it? If you're an alcoholic, you better not be going to the bars. And uh, if you're an alcoholic, you might not want to be a bartender. So it means that a person to overcome might have to change a job. If you're having a problem with something, with the Sabbath, and every week your boss is on you because of uh, Saturday, you wouldn't work Saturday, and he wants you to work Saturday, and I know they've got to be fair, and they've got to ask you, and you've got to turn it down, and. But if you're struggling with working, sometimes you work on Saturday, sometimes not, and you say, you know, am I an overcomer or has this job overcome me? A person might have to change jobs. They might have to quit and do something else. They might have to make changes. Uh, so don't buy it. Avoid it. Avoid that environment. We'll talk a little bit about the environment a little later. But uh, if you're overcome, and you've heard me say this before, if a person says, you know what, I'm going to go in this bar and I'm going to convert everybody in there and I'm going to teach them the truth, you better be stronger than they are. Because pretty soon, they may be teaching you how to drink and be an alcoholic and give up your truth and be one of them. So, an overcomer has got to resist, has got to struggle, has got to subdue uh, way back, and this is not part of my message, but we remember way back in uh, when Cain slew Abel and God uh, talked to Cain and uh, God told Cain, you know, 
Sin will be after you, but you are to rule over it. You've got to rule over it. You've got to conquer it and subdue it. Now, uh, another uh, couple of principles here in uh, 1 John. Go back there. 1 John, the second chapter. Before our next point. 1 John 2. 12 through 14. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So he's talking here to all ages, the father, the young man, the teenage, uh, different age groups, and he's reminding them that different ages can still overcome through the power of God and through Jesus Christ because they believe and because they trust in him. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. In the world you'll have tribulation, you'll have problems, but I've overcome the world. In uh, 1 John, while we're here, the fifth chapter and uh, verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God or is begotten, because we're not born yet, we're begotten, we have, we're converted, we have God's Spirit, we're not born of the Spirit yet, we're still in the flesh, whatsoever, and this is the word, uh, this Greek word here can be begotten, uh, a begettle, or uh, born as a, as a birth, but here, because it's obvious, what a, whatsoever is begotten of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, I know there's a, a, a real popular religion in the world that is great, gaining a lot of ascendancy and has been for several hundred years, but now is really gaining because they believe in killing and torturing and cutting off the heads. They teach their little children hate against others who are not like them and in their religion and to kill and destroy. And the Christian religion is opposite. We teach peace and we believe in overcoming. We believe in uh, uh, Jesus Christ and following him. And we, as I've said, the church of God is not a militant church. It's not a war-making church. In fact, the Christian religion Around the world, you, you know, if you watch the news, is suffering more and more and more persecution and opposition, no matter where they call a Christian, whether it's a Catholicism or other beliefs and partial mixed in with some other religions around this world, Christianity is increasingly being uh, persecuted and uh, threatened. But the point is that Jesus Christ is our example, and we believe in him, and those who believe in him and have his help and the Father's help they're able to be overcomers. Now, uh, the uh, fifth point here is back in, this is one of the Old Testament uh, examples. 
and uh, it can be also a uh, New Testament principle, but let's go back to Proverbs, the 24th chapter, and uh, verse 16, 24, 16, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. So here's the fifth point. Keep on struggling. Sometimes a person stumbles and they falls. And you know those who have been in a Christian way of life for many years, you know sometimes you fall and you slip back and uh, you do things that ordinarily that you wouldn't do, maybe you would have done in the flesh before conversion, and you repent of that and you're sorry for that and you say, I'm not going to do that again, and maybe many years go by and it sneaks up on you or through a lax period or through some uh, strong temptation or the devil. You know, the devil and his demons, they know uh, everyone's weaknesses. And they'll attack a person on that. And they'll try to get a person at their weakest point. So whatever, whatever our weakest thing is in life, we've got to pay some attention to that and ask God to help us to be strong, help us to be an overcomer. And uh, if we do fall, here's the thing. We get up and we go on again. And we don't, we don't stay down. Some people get uh, discouraged, despondent, uh, and they fall, and then they stay down. But a true believer and a good Christian will say, will admit, okay, I made a mistake, or I did a sin. Uh, I'm going to do better. I'm going to overcome that. And I thought I, had it over I thought I had it overcome, but I didn't. But I'm going to overcome that. And so we make a strong determination that we are going to be victorious. We are going to subdue that. Now, the sixth point that I have here is one that was mentioned in the first message. And that is this. Let others help us be an overcomer. And by that, by that I mean good fellowship, the wise walk with the wise, avoid bad fellowship or avoid uh, problems where you know that there's weaknesses there or you're going to get into a problem. And so church is a good place to come to have companionship and to have fellowship and to uh, help bolster. And we here as a family, we should lift up one another. And if somebody's struggling, we don't put them down or ridicule them or gossip about that person. We pray for that person. If we see somebody do something that's not right, we pray for them. And so we try to encourage everyone. And, and so when we come here, like we come and you sit here for uh, an hour and a half uh, listening to a couple of messages, uh, we do. Uh, from different time we sing, we participate, we have fellowship. But we are uh, inspired, we're encouraged by uh, sometimes stories of, of different ones who have told us, well, I've conquered this, I've overcome this, or, or like here today, I'm trying to help us, show us uh, on some of these things that we can be uh, uh, victorious in. Uh, let's go to Ecclesiastes while we're back here. Uh, we will uh, go, go to Ecclesiastes, the fourth chapter, and um, we're close here in Proverbs, the fourth chapter. I want to read a, a number of verses here. Ecclesiastes 4, beginning in verse 9. Two are better than one, 
because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he has not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold, threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, I know that uh, you know, we have to balance things out and we have to take the scriptures correctly. But what it's telling us here is uh, as we multiply the influence of others good around us, we can be stronger and we can overcome. So if we do, if someone does uh, inevitably, uh, invariably fall or they drift off or they become lax, another person can lift them up and encourage them and three people, a five, ten, fifty, a hundred, a thousand. You know, doesn't it encourage us to know that there are Christian believers just like us, Sabbatarians, Holy Day observing, Christ believing, Father believing, Holy Spirit believing, people like us all over this world. I know there are people in, in over a hundred nations that are believers. There are some that are very scant and very sparse and they need to be encouraged and lifted up and they get that from the Word of God and from fellowship. And that's why we're encouraged and we're told not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but to go to the assembly. And we might ask ourselves, have I begun to take the assembly on the Sabbath and the holy days lightly? Have I begun? I know we can keep them in our dwellings if we're not able to go. Uh, we, we're, we're handicapped or we're disabled or it's too far or, or problems occur. We're still to keep them in our dwelling, even though we can't assemble. But it's a holy convocation. The Sabbath, we are to be here. So if we're taking it lightly, then that's something maybe we can focus on and overcome it. What is our Sabbath attendance? What is our holy day attendance? What is our uh, contributions to God? What is our support to God, to his way? How firm am I? Is this just something that is a curiosity and I like to... You know, I, I, I think it's good and it's interesting. Uh, there are a lot of people that think this way is interesting, but they don't want to keep it. They don't want to follow it. They don't want to obey it. We who have made that choice and have separated ourselves from the world and have the opportunity to uh, come collectively, not just for ourselves, but for others to lift them up and to encourage them. That's why, you know, uh, some of us uh, have been very privileged and very blessed that God has uh, called and given us an opportunity to speak. And so we look forward for the opportunity to encourage. We don't look forward to the opportunity to bring false doctrine or false teaching or to shake up your faith or discourage you or to teach lies. You know, there are liars in the world. There are false teachers. So we have to be careful about that. We know that. But those of us who have God's spirit Look on this as a great challenge and a great opportunity to convey truth and to explain the word of God so that we can all be enriched and uplifted. And, and uh, this comes by companionship, by fellowship. Not by staying home, but by coming to services so that we can encourage and lift up one another. So uh, maybe, maybe we can look at Ecclesiastes 4, 9, 12 in a more positive way than just a physical thing, but as a spiritual opportunity to come to fellowship 
and to lift up and to encourage by our presence others who are having uh, trouble. Um, okay, now, uh, here's another point that I had. My third point was uh, some promises to overcomers. Let's go back to Revelation, the second chapter. Revelation, the second chapter. Now, chapter 2 and chapter 3 are the words of Jesus Christ to the, to the Apostle John concerning uh, some things that he saw in the church of God. And it's full of uh, correction. It's full of encouragement. Uh, it's it's uh, full of warnings. It's full of promises and blessings. So let's just focus on the positive things here that uh, Jesus said here in... Um, uh, oh, uh, let's see here. In chapter 2. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Uh, I didn't mark all of these. I should have uh, all of them. But seven times, you know, where he is talking about uh, overcoming and the blessings and the promises. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just leave that because uh, I thought I had done that, but I guess I had not uh, indicated in the scriptures all of those seven promises that Jesus had made to the churches about overcoming, and uh, you can uh, you can go through those uh, at uh, some other time. Uh, for example, like here in chapter three, verse five: He that overcometh the same shall not be clothed shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So that's a great, great promise. Verse uh, 21 of chapter 3. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down with my father in his throne. We have promised, as the first message said, to be kings and priests. Jesus Christ is a priest. He's promised us in his kingdom to be a kingdom of priests, that we are going to be ruling and reigning with him as priests forever. And so... Uh, those are promises to overcomers, not to the people who don't overcome. Now, uh, in uh, Revelation 21.7, we read this scripture before, and I'm going to read it again. Revelation 21.7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my, God, shall be my son. So those are promises, just a few of the many, many. The, the Bible is full of many promises to the victorious, to the overcomers, to those who uh, conquer, to, to those who subdue, to those who are faithful to the end and are not overcome. Now, uh, this next point, the fourth one, 
is um, some caution to those who do not overcome. Because there are people like that. They don't want to struggle. They don't want to go through. They, they enjoy. They like being evil. They like being sinner. They like being just the way they are. They don't want to change. It's too difficult. And uh, so they are... Um, Reluctant to overcome and to change. And this is from the second word that we looked at. Uh, and it's used two times in the Greek. Uh, twice it's translated in the English. Uh, and it's hetiomaia. H-E-T-T-A-O-N-M-A-I. However that is pronounced in the Greek. And it means to make worse. Vanquish. To rate to be enslaved, to be inferior. Let's go to 2 Peter here in um, verse 19. 2 Peter, we'll back up. 2 Peter, the second chapter. Verse 19. Through... 22 to the end of the chapter and we have to leave off some of the earlier verses that he's warning about false teachers again some of the biblical examples of those who were uh, adversaries to God and his uh, uh, true saints while they false teachers promised them liberty they themselves are the servants of corruption for of whom a man is overcome of the same is he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. Now this is these two times here is this different Greek word that is used where it means that they are uh, themselves overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness then after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Now, why would he say that? Well, for those who are in darkness, those who don't know, those who have not been called, we know they're going to have a fair chance. They're going to have the second resurrection, or they're going to live over into the millennium and have an opportunity. They're going to have, everyone is going to have a fair chance and a fair opportunity. But somebody that knows better, and then turns from that, and goes back to that, uh, old way that they uh, left it has happened unto them according to the true proverb the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire and that's a warning to every Christian believer not to be overcome by false teachers, not to be overcome by the devil, not to be overcome by demon, not to be overcome by weakness, not to be overcome by the world, to come out of that, not to go back to those things, not to turn back to that. This is a serious thing. We've been called to. And I know that for me to stand up here and say, you know, uh, straight-faced, this puts a frown on our faces and it puts a little fear in our heart and it troubles us to know that it's possible others have. It's possible that we can. So we've got to guard against that and not to be overcome. We've got to overcome and not to be overcome. Now, 
there's a uh, third word that is used one time, and that word is katakurio, and that's back in Acts, the 19th chapter. Let's go back to Acts 19. And this, is, this word is used one time. Acts 19, we'll go 11 through 16. Acts 19. This is a time when God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and we call those anointed cloths, and we, sometimes when we can't go or can't be there or distance, we, we send those out and we honor those, God honors those. And the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, and overcame them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. And uh, that's, that's going. You can, you can go on to the rest of the uh, paragraph thoughts there. This is where uh, somebody that was stronger than they, because they didn't believe, they were just using it politically. They just thought, well, they saw the apostles use this name and cast out demons, so they thought, well, well we can do this. Well, that demon was stronger than they were and overcome, overcame that person. And uh, that word means uh, control, subjugate, exercise dominion, to lord it over, to be lord against. And so that demon lorded it over those persons who were uh, using the name and the belief in the wrong way. Now, we're closing here, and the last uh, reference that I have is in Revelation, the 12th chapter, and verse 11. And this has to do a lot with the history of the church, and we won't go through that. We've done that uh, times before, but... Uh, We'll just uh, look at one verse here. Hebrews 12, verse 11. Uh, Revelation, pardon me. Revelation. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. See what happened? You get the thinking up here in your mind. They say when you get older, your mind is the first thing to go. So, uh, what? Second thing? Oh, he's getting old. He forgot what the first one was. <laughs> so, uh, thank you. Thank you uh, for that, uh, Ken. Revelation 12, verse 11. And uh, therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Uh, oh, verse 11. I was reading verse... Thank you, Ken. See what happens? <laughs> uh, verse 11. Uh, well, we could go back to verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, but we don't have time. So, okay, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, 
and they loved not their lives unto death. Look at the three things here. You know, the Bible tells us that the life is in the blood. And there's power in Christ because he had blood. He shed his blood for us. He shed his life for us. And so we can overcome by that power that's in the life, in the blood of Jesus Christ. And by the word of our testimony, by being firm and solid, and yes, I believe that, and no. There's a time when we can say, no, I'm not going to. No, I don't believe that. No, get out of here. No. Yes, come on. Yes, I believe that. Yes, I accept that. That is in the Bible. Yes, I believe it. And the third thing is, they loved not their lives unto death. There is persecution and opposition. We look at, um, when we watch the news, we see people who are, and we don't know if they're nominal or if they're true Christians, but they are in churches and the Christians around the world, and they're losing their life, and they're getting beheaded, and they're being thrown in jail and thrown in prison because they believe in the name of Jesus Christ. How firm. How solid are we? Are we willing to give up our life? Are we willing to sacrifice our life for what we believe? Or is it just something that, well, we can be converted to their way and we can give up and we, we don't have to go to jail. We, can, we don't have to leave the city. We can, we can stay here. We can convert to this other religion. Uh, there's a lot of pressure put on these people today in other nations to convert to their religion and to give up the Christian way and the Christianity. But we overcome, we prevail, we conquer, we subdue, we gain the victory by the blood, by the word, by the power of Jesus Christ and the Father. That's how we overcome. By doing so, we share in the inheritance of all things. That's a vast promise. I can't begin to explain um, or even think about what does all things mean to inherit that all things I know this it's all going to be good it's all going to be righteous it's all going to be godly forever and ever and ever the evil is put away sin is put away death is put away the devil is put away false people are put away only righteousness only God and our fellow brothers that believe and sisters that believe this way, cistern, as uh, Jeff Henderson said, believe this way forever and ever, inheriting all things. Wow, that's what a great promise to an overcomer. Well, I hope that we can continue to overcome and that we will uh, think about these things and uh, that it has been a little bit helpful to us today.